Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Well, unfortunately, the Houston Cougars' fantastic run to the Final Four ended on Saturday. Baylor dominated the Cougs from the opening tip. And back with me to discuss is good friend of the show, Dustin Rensick, one of the hosts of the Scott and Holman podcast. Nobody covers the Cougs better than Sam and Dustin do over there. You guys have heard him on the show before. You know what I'm talking about. Well, Dustin, was there anything that you saw between Baylor and U of H in this game that surprised you? Yeah, I would have to say that uh, just the, the lack of any kind of offensive production in the first half from Houston Cougar players not named Marcus Sasser. I was a little surprised. You know what I mean? There's, you know, Baylor scored as many points as they did. You know, Baylor's a fantastic offense. They've done that kind of thing to a lot of teams. So, you know, it had to be aware that that was a possibility. Um, but uh, just getting three points, three points on one of 17 shooting in the first half from guys uh, not named Marcus Sasser was just uh, that was a bit of a, of a kick in the teeth. And as much as, you know, obviously happy with the way that the year is gone, you got to be happy with the year when you make it to the final four, you get to hang a banner and all that. Um, but not to, not to see a little bit more of a fight offensively from the Cougars in the first half was uh, was a little bit surprising, I would have to say. It's weird because I thought if the Cougs were going to have a chance, Sasser was going to have to play well. And lo and behold, he was the only one who did, at least in the first half. I mean, just nobody could get it going. I mean, to have Grimes not have a good game and and just miss a lot of open opportunities in the first half, that that seemed like a bad sign when, when he wasn't hitting his shots. Yeah, uh, Grimes not hitting his shots, Giroux just not able to get anything downhill, and really nobody. It was just the entire first half I think Houston had. I don't think they had any actual points in the paint, maybe like two right at the end there. Um, but it just didn't seem like anyone on Houston was was able to, to get anything going downhill, anything towards the basket. And, uh, you know, this is a team that likes to shoot three-pointers, and you gotta you got to, you know, kind of live by the three and die by the three sometimes. But uh, it didn't seem like it was three-pointers that were really coming in the flow of the offense. It didn't seem like there was much flow to the offense. It was a lot of, uh, you know, just uh, just lucky to, to even get a shot off and just not wanting to take the ball inside and just kind of taking uh, contested threes. And obviously that's a, it's a good way to get behind uh, real big early to uh, a really good Baylor team. And that's uh, obviously exactly what happened. I don't know if this went through your mind, but it went through my mind. Caleb Mills, what kind of difference would Caleb Mills have made? Would it have helped much? Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess that's a possibility. Uh, you can't be, you know, too uh, too upset with the way that uh, the team is kind of uh, – you know, rally behind, you know, with in his absence. And you, you know, I mean, I think it's fair, a fair question to ask, you know, if uh, in the alternate reality where Caleb Mills stays at Houston the entire year, you know, does Tremont Mark get as much exposure, you know, as he did throughout the season or do, or, or do some of those minutes that might have gone to Tremont Mark that helped him really develop as a freshman and really get over the hump and, and have some dramatic plays down the stretch that really helped Houston get here. You know, maybe he doesn't get get as much game experience if, uh, if Caleb Mills is still around. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I got to be honest, would, wouldn't have minded having uh, one other tremendously talented offensive player available to uh, to come in and uh, and hopefully put some points on the board. But obviously had to uh, to roll with the team that you actually had and uh, – yeah, I mean it was it, it was uh, it worked pretty well. No, Caleb Mills most of the year uh, didn't didn't seem to hurt the Cougars too much, but uh, I, I don't know that one player would have made a difference. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say no. I don't think uh, I don't think Caleb Mills would have made the difference. I think that was a, a more than a one player difference uh, between Baylor and Houston there. Should I have been frustrated that Kelvin Sampson wasn't a little more aggressive defensively in the second half? And I, I mean by you're never expecting a 25-point comeback, but the only way you give yourself a chance is to maybe pick up full-court defense. They had a great opportunity early in the half because they were making some shots. So once you make those shots, you can start picking up 
full court from there. Did you think about that at all? Yeah, that, that hasn't been something that Houston's done just a ton of this year. So, you know, I think maybe that's not something that was really within their comfort zone was to uh, to really go to that full court press. Um, so that they, te- they, you know, they've had, and they've had a lot of success defensively, and, and certainly they didn't uh, didn't have much luck uh, in that game, obviously on the defensive end. But uh, you know, it hasn't really seemed to be their uh, their their strategy too much. It definitely. You know, it seemed like it seemed like something they could have switched up something just to uh, just to try to throw Baylor off a little bit, just because uh, you know Baylor, even by Baylor's incredibly high offensive standards, was just unconscious and everything that they threw up there uh, seemed like it was going in. So definitely, uh, you know, maybe you could have uh, could have changed some things up here a, a little bit, but uh, you know, as a rule, I don't uh, I don't doubt I don't doubt Kelvin Sampson too much, and uh, I don't know. I think my overarching takeaway from the game is less about you know what uh, what differences, what changes could have been made here or there that would have. Uh, made the difference and kind of just a little bit resigned to the fact that if you're playing a team as good as Baylor and they're bringing their just absolute A-plus game like Baylor brought uh, on Saturday, you know, there's there's not always a lot you can do about that. Yeah, if nothing else, I would have tried some more aggressive half-court trapping on defense. So that would have been maybe just a little bit of, but like I said, it's, it's not likely they were ever going to get close in this game once they blew them out in the first half. But beyond that, what I saw that the Cougars need to do better is move the basketball offensively. Sampson isn't known for his offensive strategy. You get to this point in the tournament, Dustin, and you think about, okay, is that good enough? Is just the way they play basketball offensively good enough? Can they win a championship without a better offensive strategy, a better offensive strategy against the elite teams? Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, it's worth consideration. It is, you know, it's also also worth pointing out that Kelvin Sampson's uh, strategy has had the Cougars, you know, ranked pretty highly in the uh, the offensive efficiency metrics, and you know, with the uh, the rebounding and things uh, that have uh, have worked out pretty well for them. Okay, uh, over over the years, and you know, I think in another year when, you know, if just you you happen to uh, you know, and because again, I think the Cougars, what we saw against you know what we saw from Houston against Baylor on Saturday wasn't you know Houston's best offensive effort, and it wasn't the best game that Houston can put up running the offensive uh you know system that they are running now i think that you know it's dejan if you, if you run that bang if you run that game back again you know quentin grimes has more than zero points in the first half even you know with the same offensive strategy that uh, that houston's been using i think dejan maybe does a little bit more in the first half you know given what we've seen and and then certainly the first uh, first final four in my lifetime i'm not going to uh not going to argue too much with uh, with the way that Houston got here but you know i think kelvin sampson is 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 always someone that is is looking for uh you know, a way to like every coach, he's someone that's always looking for a way to uh, to find an edge. Um, and you know, we saw you know one year it's uh, you know Virginia winning the you know twenty last uh, last uh, last March Madness tournament that actually got played. You know, a Virginia's team that uh, you know was known for more 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 so for their defense than their offense won a, a national championship. This year it might go go the other way, and we'll see uh, just a, you know two fantastic offensive teams in the uh, the championship game tomorrow night in uh, Baylor and Gonzaga. So I think Kelvin Sampson's always going to be looking for another edge and uh, certainly trying to become a team that, you know, he's, he's talked all year about not being a very good first shot team and, uh, and wanting to go grab those rebounds. And, you know, I think certainly it would, uh, would behoove any coach to, uh, to, to, to look to become a better first shot team uh, in the future and hopefully pair being a, a good first shot team with the other things like the other uh, rebounding and the taking care of the ball and the playing defense that uh, we know Kelvin Sampson's teams are going to do. Quentin Grimes, really the one top 100 high-end caliber recruit on the Cougs roster. Can you win a title in modern basketball with just one, or do you ever inevitably get outgunned by the Baylors and the Gonzagas once you get to this point in the tournament? 
I was going to say, Tremont Mark was a, was a top 100 player uh, as well, I believe. So we'll, uh, definitely, I, I think that, uh, you know, there, there's, there's, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's not impossible for Houston to bring in that caliber of player. I mean, uh, you know, Caleb Mills obviously transferred out of the program, so he's not there anymore. But he was a, a talent that was, you know, certainly had, could have gone to any number of, uh, of power programs. Tremont Mark was another one of those guys could have gone to any number of, uh, of power programs. And, you know, I think what's exciting about – you know, Kelvin Sampson is that you you see that the what what he's had to recruit to has just gone up and up, you know, as uh, as the the time has gone on. And first he was recruiting to uh, you know a dingy arena and just no results within the last you know 30 years to speak of. And all of a sudden he's got okay, you know, year two all of a sudden hey this is a semi-competitive team. You can actually recruit to a, a semi-competitive team rather than uh, you know four four conference wins like we had in a year one. And all of a sudden no, we've got we've got the new arena, we've got the new development center and uh, and now you get to you know you now we got the Jordan brand and we've got just all these other things that are helping him recruit and uh, and I think you've you've seen the level of recruit go up significantly from uh, from year 1 of Kelvin Sampson to uh, until now and uh, and I think you're going to continue you've seen really you know the high school recruits coming in now you know they've had four of the last seven top players uh, in the Houston area uh, the last seven years have ended up at Houston. Ramon Walker recently named the Guy V. Lewis Award winner coming to Houston next year. So I definitely think that there is uh, some high-level talent uh, coming in this program, and I think that we're only going to see more of that as Houston has more and more, you know, kind of kind of you know reasons to to make it, you know, reasonable for a a local high school kid to want to stay home. Because certainly, you know, when Kelvin Sampson got here, there was it would it would have been unreasonable to expect a top recruit from the Houston area to want to stay home. Whereas now. There's really, you know, other than maybe, you know, conference affiliation, there's there's really no reason. And then we've certainly seen from Houston and Gonzaga going to the Final Four without a, you know, quote unquote power conference affiliation. That even that isn't that important. So, you know, I, I think the important thing for Kelvin Sampson is just as a, as each year passes, just the the ability to recruit is only going to continue to get better. And uh, and I think given the, you know, what apparently looks like an impending uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks change in terms of giving uh, players the automatic uh, one-year penalty-free transfer. We've seen Kelvin Sampson also have so much success bringing in talented uh, transfers from uh, from Division One guys like uh, Quentin Grimes and uh, and Reggie Chaney and, and even Dejan Jero and Bryson Gresham originally uh, from UMass. So I think the high school talent recruiting is only going to continue to get better. And given the uh, what, you know, Kelvin Sampson called it a menu. He said that he called the transfer portal like a menu. And, uh, you know, a coach as good as Kelvin Sampson coming off of a Final Four, getting to go to the menu and kind of just be picky and choosy about who he brings in via the transfer portal is uh, pretty exciting. And you got to like the talent that uh, he's going to be bringing in, I think, and going to continue to bring in. I'm sure you saw this. Landy Smith was on Twitter after the game doing a little recruiting of his own, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I'm not, I'm not actually, I meant to chase that down and faint. I was, I'm not sure exactly who is the other player that he, uh, he had in mind, but Lanny Smith, of course, a great former Cougar point guard from uh, earlier in this century mentioned, uh, yeah, there's a five-star point guard at his high school and saying, Hey, there's no reason why, uh, why this guy shouldn't stay home and, uh, and consider the Cougars. And like I said, that's, that's really, you know, and we've seen Kelvin Sampson when he got here, he had this vision and, and kind of knew the things that needed to to happen. And the he knew that the administration needed to buy need, administration buy in, pardon me, needed to be there in terms of getting the facilities put together. That happened. He knew that, uh, you know, having the, the the fan buy in had to happen. That's happened. Uh, we had Kellen Sampson, the assist, you know, his son and assistant on our podcast a couple of years ago. And it was a story we like to tell, uh, we like to repeat a lot, when uh, Jared Vanderbilt, a top kid in the Houston area, came to a game just randomly by himself. And uh, Kellen Sampson said, I looked up, 
you know, it was their first year at Houston. He looked up in the stands and saw uh, saw him just sitting there in his entire section to himself. So he could, he could have just been swimming in seats for days and knew that, okay, you can't recruit again. You know, if that's the level of support that you have, you're just there's no reason for any kid to stay home. So, like I said, I think that getting, you know, making this the team that getting some city buy-in and making this the home team of the city of Houston, um, obviously you've got just in all sports, men's basketball included, you've got a ton of talent in the area. So certainly makes sense to uh, be putting together a kind of uh, team where, you know, it, it makes sense and the local kids are going to actually want to stay home and play for this team. Yeah, I mean, he was talking about just everybody in the Houston area needs to come to U of H, of course. But he also, as you said, mentioned somebody from the high school that he went to, which is Hightower High School, Bryce Griggs, a guy that I went out to cover. Uh, so maybe keep an eye on that if you're a Cougs fan, see what, what Bryce Griggs is up to. But um, what does it look like next year? Going into next year, who's going to be here still? Who is leaving? And, you know, what, what does it look like coming in next year? Yeah, so I, I think the kind of, and we've been wrong on the kind of guess about what the conventional wisdom is in terms of who's going to be coming back and not. Um, but would expect, and obviously and everyone can come back next year if they want to because of the uh, the the eligibility pause from the NCAA, um, but certainly the the way it seems like it's going is that the three seniors who got the full season in this year, uh, so Dejan Jero, Bryson Gresham, and Justin Gorham are likely to uh, to move on. Quentin Grimes, I'd be awfully surprised. You know, if he wants to pull a Luca Garza and come back for his senior season and make a run at the uh, you know National Player of the Year, I would be I'd be extremely delighted, but not uh, not holding my breath waiting for that. So would expect those four guys to uh, to move on. Then I think. You've got a, a core of four guys coming back. You've got Reggie Chaney and Fabian White in the front court, and then you've got Tremont Mark and Marcus Sasser uh, hopefully coming back. You expect and hope to have all four of those guys back uh, coming back next year. And I think if that's your starting four, that's a pretty good uh, pretty good four guys to uh, to work with. And then you've got a couple other guys off the bench, guys like you know uh, Jawan Roberts or uh, Cam Tyson or Jamal Shedd, guys that showed, so, showed some things in some small minutes but didn't really impress enough to become – you know, guys that were part of the rotation down the stretch and guys that you wanted out there against the best teams. So this has been a developmental program that you've seen guys get better year over year. So hopefully a couple of those guys coming back are ready for bigger roles. you got, like I said, three freshmen coming in and then uh, whoever we can uh, can pick up out of the transfer portal. So it's uh, as soon as the season's over, it's immediately transfer portal season. And uh, like I said, Kelvin Sampson has talked about bringing in multiple players out of the transfer portal. Um, so would expect, like I said, uh, Cheney, White, uh, Mark, and uh, Sasser to be kind of the core, and uh, some backups, some freshmen, and some uh, transfers coming in. I would expect you know to see another uh, eight, eight, nine rota- man rotation like we've been uh, used to seeing under Kelvin Sampson. Is there a particular freshman that's coming in you're really excited about? You think could be somebody that could make an instant impact? Yeah, I really like uh, Ramon Walker. Like I said, he was the uh, the Gavi Lewis uh, player, best player in uh, high school player in the Houston area. He's uh, kind of a six five, you know, winger, kind of a positionless player. Can really, you know, do a lot of different things, uh, play a lot of different positions. Um, so I'm really excited about him. A guy that's maybe not going to come in and play right away, um, but JVA Francis is a big center coming in six eight. A uh, guy that's going to come in and uh, just incredible uh, athleticism. And I think he's maybe more, JVA Francis is maybe more the down-the-road guy. Ramon, Ramon Walker, I think, with uh, especially with Quentin Grimes and uh, Dejan Giroux most likely moving on. You know, a guy who can who can kind of play uh, a wing-type position, I think, uh, is someone that could potentially make an impact right away. What were the moments this year that you're not going to forget as a Cougar fan? Oh, man, yeah, there's uh, there's been a lot of them, I think. I think the first big one has to be just Houston 
uh, facing Texas Tech all the way back in the non-conference schedule and uh, just running out to kind of doing to Texas Tech what uh, what Baylor did to Houston this past weekend and just running out to a huge uh, halftime lead and then uh, holding on to it. And that was that first moment when Houston was up. I don't remember what the exact score was, but it was up big on Texas Tech at the half. That was the first moment when I think we all kind of looked around and went, Oh wow, this this team might be really really good this year, and uh, then obviously just uh, you know I think towards the end of the season you have to the uh, the Tremont Mark half court shot over uh, over Memphis to end the regular season was certainly uh, one that had me uh, jumping up and down around my living room, and uh, I'll certainly mm-hmm. re- certainly remember that one for a long time. And speaking of Tremont Mark, how about uh, that Rutgers game in the second round when uh, he had the huge play right at the end, Houston down two points in the closing minute, uh, came flying in. Uh, to get a tip in and an and one off of a, uh, a miss by uh, Giroux that ended up giving Houston the lead for good right at the end there. One of my just favorite moments was rewatching that, and uh, and he because he, he got that shot. There was a tip in. If if you're you know a Houston fan, you remember that play that he was you know got that in front of the basket and tipped it in. If you look at where he was when that play went up, he was standing barely inside the three point line on the baseline. And uh, just came all the way, just you know, flying in to get that rebound and the tip in and the and one. And that just really is, I think that play typifies this program so much. Um, just you know, to, to a guy that looked like he was you know too far away to be uh, to be involved in the play, but just never gave up on the play. Um, and uh, and ended up that was a huge play. And it just really was exciting to see you know him as a freshman get multiple really really big plays and someone you expect to hope to be around for another couple of years and someone who I think is really still only scratching the surface of his potential um, to have a, a couple of uh, just huge, you know, super memorable moments, uh, I think is, you know, awfully, awfully impressive for him. And I'll definitely remember, remember those. And then just, uh, you know, just the, the end of the Oregon state game and the, just, you know, the, the sinking it in that Houston was going to, uh, to go back to the final four. And, and I'll be honest, even just watching the game here in my apartment by myself, got, got more than a little bit emotional at, uh, and see, at seeing something that, uh, I just wasn't convinced was ever going to happen in my lifetime, and that is uh, the Houston Cougar men's basketball team to uh, to go back to a Final Four. So just you know, watching those uh, those final seconds count down, and uh, and oh man, I almost I almost I got to throw out uh, Dejan Giroux, just absolutely playing through uh, that incredible hip pointer, um, just absolutely toughing it out, you know, helping Houston rally in that Rutgers game, and even get to the point where Tremont Mark could have that tip in. Um, so just him playing through the pain, and uh, I think that is going to really go down in Cougar lore as well as uh, as as something that. You know, Houston fans will always remember his toughness and his grittiness and how he, uh, you know, helped uh, help carry the Cougars all the way to uh, their first Final Four and uh, quite some time. Yeah, no, it was emotional for me, too, to see them go back to the Final Four because you don't remember the last time. So, of course, it's huge for you. But for somebody that was there and as a kid, I was, you know, whatever, 10, 11, 12 years old when they were going to the Final Four on a regular basis and you see it happen again. It brings back all the memories of those five slam pajama teams. And, you know, one thing that I mentioned on our show, and I'm sure you would agree with this, is that it's so much more sweet that they were able to get there this year because back then you're getting there with guys that are all going to the NBA first round. You got Hall of Famers like Elijah Wan and Drexler, but even people that we don't mention enough, Michael Young, Larry Mishaw, these were first round picks in the NBA this team's not going to have first-round picks in the NBA, Dustin. I mean, that's amazing that they were able to do what they were able to do without that. Yeah, I think, and even going back further to Houston's two Final Fours in the '60s with a, you know, with an with the Hall of Famer and Elvin Hayes, uh, that Houston has had five Final Fours, and uh, and all five of them up up until now had been with yeah, like just you know an absolute 
you know, first ballot NBA Hall of Famer, one of the greatest players in NBA history, or, you know, two in the case of the, uh, the five Slama Jamma teams on that roster. Um, but yeah, and, and I agree, this is a team that doesn't, you know, and I expect that Quentin Grimes can, will, will likely get drafted into the NBA. And I think that, you know, a guy like Dejan Giroux could potentially, you know, get, get paid to play basketball for a while. And definitely some talented players on the team. I'm not meaning to, to condescend to anyone on the current team, but certainly you don't see that, you know, just, you know, one, one, or, you know, just high first round pick a la, Elvin Hayes, Drexler, Olajuwon, uh, you know all those guys. So it, it, it is. I think we'll remember. And I and I said it on the on the on our podcast when Houston made the Final Four. Is we are entering the third era of Cougar greatness. You had the Elvin Hayes era, you had the Five Slamma Jamma era, and you now have the Kelvin Sampson Junkyard Dog era, who are defined less by their Hall of Fame you know talent than they are by their just absolute grittiness and toughness and just wanting it more than the other team and just playing harder than the other team and uh, couldn't be more uh, fun as a fan to uh, to get to watch these guys. And as it tough as it was to lose by 19, just remember back in 1968 in the national semifinal, they faced UCLA, the John Wooden team with, you know, Lou Alcindor. They lose by 32, 101 to 69. So not quite that bad, <laughs> this one. But the last thing I want to ask you about, uh, it was tough to then try to watch that second game in the final four on Saturday night. But I tell you what, I've seen a lot of NCAA final four games. This one goes right up there. Maybe the best one in history in the final four. If not, it's right there with you go back to U of H in Louisville back in 83 and the, and the incredible doctors of dunk going up against five slam and Jamma. But that game was fantastic. UCLA. And, and also the fact that, you know, they were doing this um, back and forth. Nobody was ahead more than a few points. And, of course, I don't know if you can get a better last-second shot than what Jalen Suggs did. What was it like to watch that? Were you able to, you know, regroup a little bit and enjoy that game? Yeah, I, I watched the the whole game and was able to. I still get into it. It was definitely an emotional roller coaster of a day on Saturday from just waking up, having the – you know, the excitement of waking up and going, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm going to watch Houston play in the Final Four today to uh, to the way that the game went. And, uh, and obviously not feeling real happy about that. And then, But then just kind of, you know, having to stop and appreciate what an unbelievable run it's been. And then you get all that behind you and all of a sudden you turn on this game. And just, I think, like most people, I was kind of just waiting for Gonzaga to uh, to really put it away and, and put some distance between themselves and the Bruins, and it just uh, just didn't happen. It was just a uh, classic back-and-forth slugfest that just ended in uh, in one of the most dramatic fashions that you're ever going to see with Jalen Suggs hitting that unbelievable uh, three-pointer at the buzzer. So, you know, this has been, this whole tournament has been just so much fun. Um, it's been a great advertisement for college basketball. I feel like really... You know, and again, I think every March Madness is uh, is great, and rarely has one gone by that I've gone out oh, that wasn't very fun this year. Uh, but it did feel like this entire tournament has been, you know, other than Houston's results on Saturday, the entire tournament has been really conspiring to uh, reward us all for our patience and uh, and not getting one uh, last year because this certainly seems like this whole tournament has been one of the absolute best, if not if not the best, in my lifetime. And uh, that UCLA Gonzaga game certainly uh, right up at the top of the list as well. How do you like the format? How do you like the format of them playing instead of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday this weekend and or last weekend and then, you know, some of the other different scheduling that they did? Yeah, I, I, don't, I guess I don't have a too strong of opinion one way or the other. It was uh, 
you know, it was one of those things as soon as, you know, as, as long as the tournament is back this year, they could have played it on, you know, consecutive Mondays only. And I would have, uh, I don't know, I, I, they could have played all, all uh, 32 first round games on the same day. I would have still been uh, just absolutely uh, excited beyond belief. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that you know, I'm sure they're going to look into. And, and this whole year, you know, with the pandemic has been kind of bringing back uh, or bringing about a, a rethinking of pretty much everything about the way that we do college basketball. And certainly the tournament has been no exception, um, but uh, I did like having the um, uh, what was it the Sweet 16 games where they, they they spaced them out so each game was only going one on one at the time. So I like that and getting to uh, to focus on uh, you know focus on an entire game and, and getting to watch the whole thing. So you know, I'm sure it's uh, people being paid a, a lot of money are going to uh, figure that stuff out. But at the end of the day, as long as we've got uh, March Madness going forward and uh, not having to take another year off in the near future, I think I'll be okay with whatever games they want to play the days on or whatever days they want to play the games on. It's kind of cool to have a UH alum on the call of the game too. That helps. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty remarkable. One of my, and it was kind of funny if uh, you follow Sam and I on Twitter, we both ended up tweeting uh, our own versions of the exact same story at the exact same time after Houston uh, beat Oregon State to clinch the Final Four appearance, and that is a game that we were both at in uh, in 2007, uh, just when the very uh, empty Hoffines days. Uh, a game like Houston was hosting Middle Tennessee State that Jim Nance was uh, at and attended and was uh, sitting half court for the game uh, or sitting in the front row at the game. And uh, Sam and I were students at the time, and uh, and Jim Nance actually came over at halftime. And we were all embarrassed, like, oh, man, there's like seven students here. There's like maybe maybe a thousand people in this entire building. Ah, this this is embarrassing that our famous alumni is here and, you know, seeing seeing this just, you know, empty arena. And uh, he just came over at halftime, couldn't have been a nicer, classier guy, thanked all of us students that were there for uh, coming out and supporting the team. And so you guys are really uh, making uh, making us alumni proud of, uh, of of what you're doing and everything. And, and I ended up uh, getting to shake his hand and uh, told him I was going to uh, – no, I don't think I really believed it. I just was saying it to say it. I was like, you know, one day I'm going to watch you, I'm gonna, you, know, watch you uh, call U of H in the Final Four. And he kind of smiled and said, yeah, I said that would be the highlight of my career. So I uh, couldn't be happier for uh, a legend in Jim Nance that he got to uh, call his, alum, uh, his alma mater in the Final Four. And uh, hopefully before he uh, retires, he'll get to uh, call a Cougar game that's a little bit more competitive in the Final Four. So here's what I'm thinking. We're, we're doing this on Sunday night. Some people are going to be listening to this later in the week. So you're going to laugh at us one way or the other. But, you know, U of H has been to five Final Fours. They have never lost to anybody but the eventual champion. Do you realize that? I, I was not aware of that. That is uh, That sounds right now that you mentioned that, but I don't think I had uh, gone through and checked that out. Yep, they lost to North Carolina, the Michael Jordan team back in 82. Uh, of course, the NC State game, you know what happened with that. And then, uh, and then Georgetown in the finals in 84. And then the two times they lost back in the late 60s was to the UCLA and the two championship teams there. The thing about it is... If we're going by that, uh, I'd put your money on Baylor on Monday night. Well, actually, I actually already did. My uh, my detest for Baylor is so great that uh, early in the year, I actually put a couple of uh, uh, a couple of units on Baylor to win the national championship just to hedge against that if that was going to happen, I was going to have to live through that. At least I was going to make a little bit of money off of it. So my money is already on Baylor. So either uh, we'll get to see an undefeated national champion and I'll and uh, UTEP will get to retain its title as the only uh, Texas school with a men's uh, basketball national championship, or uh, at least I'll get to make a couple of bucks in the process. Yeah, I, I didn't think Baylor had a shot, and then I watched them against U of H, and I watched what happened to the Zags against UCLA, and no disrespect to UCLA, but 
and that, and that Saturday, I, I all of a sudden my mind got changed, and I was like, "Well, it doesn't look like the Zags are as unbeatable as I thought they would be." But uh, what's going on before we close it out? What's going on over at Scott Holman? What do you guys got coming up in the podcast this uh, next few weeks? Yeah, so uh, obviously uh, men's basketball, one of the big stories of the year. Um, and we just uh, just got done tonight, uh, Sunday night, about an hour before I came on to talk to you. Got done finishing uh, recording our latest episode where we talked about. Um, you know the final four run and uh, and the and the game as much as we didn't uh, weren't really enjoying talking about the game too much, but did talk about it and we really uh, you know kind of talked about uh, the roster breakdown some more kind of the, some of the stuff that we talked about and really talked about you know where U of H is going to go forward. So definitely uh, check out that episode and uh, you know we're going to continue to talk about uh, all things U of H. If you will like uh, U of H making a uh, run at a national championship, uh, the men's track and field program right now. Uh, I think ranked uh, sixth last I saw in the country. And we uh, recently talked to uh, Coach Carl Lewis, who's the assistant coach of the track program over there. And uh, he is pretty bullish on their uh, that men's team's uh, chances of making a, a run at a team national championship this year. Um, so they've got some just tremendous talent uh, right now. Sean Maswanyani, a, a freshman on that track team, is a likely future Olympian and guy that's going to compete for uh, quite a few national championships before his U of H career is done. So that program, uh, if you can uh, check them out, really got a lot going on. We're going to continue to talk about them, talk about uh, you know Cougar baseball and softball and still plenty of sports going on as we uh, finish up the season. So we are a weekly year-round uh, Cougar podcast. We've got a few things, uh, still finalizing some, uh, some off-season stuff, but uh, definitely excited to see where uh, the track program takes us uh, before we get to that offseason. Well, go listen to the Scott and Holman podcast, and I'm hoping that this run and the last few years, we're getting closer and closer to getting the rest of Houston in on the U of H experience because for those of us that grew up with this kind of success and this kind of fun and this kind of joy that this program can bring, I mean, it, you know why we love U of H so much. Uh, it, it, it's been a really rough few decades here, but you know, hopefully, Dustin, I, I think that U of H can re- sort of recapture the city, especially what it was able to do at a time when I feel like Houston and just everybody really needed a feel-good story like this, and, and it was just incredible that they could bring it all the way to the Final Four. And you know, it, it was a tough loss in the Final Four, but you can't ask more from a, a team. They they gave you literally everything they had every second they were out on the floor. Yeah, it's been a team that has just been defined by how unbelievably hard that they play. And uh, th- those are the most fun teams, I think, to cheer for. Is not, you know, it's not necessarily having the most talented guys, but it's just having the guys that are absolutely getting the absolute most out of their talent. And uh, you just can't ask for anything more than that. And the way that they've, you know, I think really brought this university community together and really even the city together to uh, to get behind them has been a lot of fun. And uh, just like I said, Having come from the, uh, you know, watching games that where Houston was drawing flies at uh, at Hoffines, it's uh, pretty exciting watching the city get behind a uh, Final Four caliber team. Well, thanks so much for doing this. And before I wrap it up, I just want to remind everybody that we're going to talk some Astros later this week. My co-host, Stephen, um, dealing with some personal things. He's probably going to miss us this week, but I'll get somebody in to shoot, shoot a little bit of Astros conversation and back and forth because uh boy they've looked good this last few days that's all we got for this one just a reminder that on twitter and facebook you can reach out to us over there it's at hst podcast on twitter info at houston sports talk.net is our email address stay healthy and safe everybody and get those vaccines you're listening to houston sports talk 
Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.